Cookie Lab. Hi, and welcome to Cookie Lab. I'm Jill. And I'm Chris. And I am very excited because when I was little. Lil Chris. Lil Chris. <laughs> I used to live on a farm in the snow belt of western New York. Uh-huh. And we would get a heck of a lot of snow. Yeah. And my father would see that a snowstorm was coming and he would... With his third eye? Yes, his colored... Or his old farmer's almanac. His new colored television. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the weatherman would tell us that a storm was coming and he would say, all right, we better pack in 50 pounds of flour and a bunch of back bacon. Okay. And that was his way of saying that uh, it was time to get all the provisions ready because we would be socked in yeah, by a for storm. for days. Yeah. And what he planned to do with 50 pounds of flour, I never knew. But during the pandemic, I did order a 50-pound bag of flour <laughs> because you couldn't find it in the, in the store. So it did come to fruition. But I tell this story because I understand that there is a secret ingredient in this week's cookie. Okay, first of all. I love, and it's not flour. It's not flour, and it's also not a secret because the title of the recipe is Bacon Fat Ginger Snaps. So, (laughs) secret, see. That people might just miss Nobody it. Nobody will miss that coming. And I, when I saw that, I was like, I have to do this. I thought it was going to be so delicious. Uh, do you remember when we had a bacon party and we made all, yeah. all of our friends made different bacon things? And of course you made two things and you like won all the prizes. I don't remember what I made. Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact. I made shot glasses made out of bacon oh, and yes. sealed on the inside with chocolate. But I tried to get, I didn't pay attention to the recipe and I tried to get fancy and use like delicious high end thick cut bacon, which was just like floppy and didn't do what it was supposed to do. So it was a little gross. But anyway, after that, I sort of had needed like a break from bacon. Yeah. And I don't know if the because same... we had an entire meal with oh yeah like Soup four courses yeah, yeah yeah with and like beverages and you know <laughs> yeah yeah bacon shot glasses yeah but I couldn't resist this and in the picture they are super thin and crisp and it says this is a New York Times recipe it's written by one of their um, fashion people who really? is also. A baker. A baker. Uh, she's a fashion critic. Her name is Kathy Horan, H-O-R-Y-N. Mm. This is her recipe and the picture. They look like super thin, crisp, and I wanted That's to- That's what ginger snaps are. Yeah. Well, even more than ginger snaps, they look like Swedish ginger thins. Like okay. Su- completely flat. You know, ginger snaps, I think of as having a slight puff yes. and maybe some crinkle on the yeah, top. Yeah, sure. The ginger thins are like just a flat disc and melt in your mouth. And I thought, I bet the bacon grease would be fabulous for that. Mm. The recipe says you're going to need one and a half pounds to two pounds of bacon to accumulate the three quarters of a cup of bacon fat that you're going to want to use in the recipe. Did you have to render this fat? So rendering it consisted of cooking the bacon at a low temperature so as not to burn it. Okay. And then pouring the resulting grease through a fine mesh strainer. So I, cause I didn't want pieces of meat in the cookie. Why not? Sounds I, well, good. we can try yeah. that next, but okay. 
for you know i try to follow a recipe as written the first time so yeah, that so i can rendered, see if i want to make any changes it was rendered bacon fat and you rendered it and then put it through a sieve it was and i don't know if i'm gonna like the cookie because i haven't eaten it yet but if we end up recommending this cookie i would say that you should just keep like render and keep your bacon fat Whenever you make when it. you make bacon, I didn't yeah. do that. I had to make like pounds of bacon, fifty pounds of <laughs> back bacon to get the the fat. And so the result was that I have all this bacon in my refrigerator, and I'm serving it to people. I'm giving it to my dog as a treat. It's like <laughs> it's a bit much. <laughs> so how many pounds of bacon did you end up using? I ended up using three pounds of bacon. Oh, and that's here's an expensive why. cookie. Because the bacon that I had on hand was center cut bacon and it was only one pound. And I thought that's not going to work. I need at least one and a half pounds. So I went to the store and bought two more packages of just regular bacon. And then I cooked the first one and it yielded enough that I was like, maybe, maybe this is only going to be like one and a half pounds, you know, for the second pound, I chose to cook that center cut bacon and it's, it had like, it seemed to have no fat at all. Like there was almost nothing. So then I ended up cooking the the whole third package Oh my gosh! I got a full cup. So it's so, so you have some left over. Well, I, I, I actually got rid of that last little bit because we need a break from bacon in my house. If, yeah, if possible, I wonder how long you can store bacon. Like I think a long time. And this is the very first time that I've ever heard of anyone using bacon fat as the fat in their baked goods. Yeah. So I just did a quick little bit of research, but it's apparently been a thing for quite some time. And especially for things like cornbread or any savory kind of thing, maybe not quite so much for cookies. But the ginger we but know what I'm is more is like that, a savory cookie. You know, the farmers such as yourself and the and the and the pioneers on the frontier, they would just keep that bacon grease, you know, just keep adding to it. I don't it and, remember that we ever did that. I know that we did have... Well, oh, I, I mean, don't, shout out to cousins Sammy and Robin who got their hands into the, you know, coffee can of bacon grease up at the cabin well, in Maine. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we <laughs> had a coffee can full of bacon okay. grease. Okay. So you but I do- think it had other grease in it. Yeah, too, yeah. And, and you things. weren't thinking of you. You just weren't. You're not supposed to put it down your sink, right? So that's like right. the first reason why you it pour it into a, a bowl. Yeah, yeah. And apparently in World War II, it was a thing that you could like donate to the troops. It was even used Bacon in like pie. explosives. Yeah. Oh my god. Do you want me to tell you a little bit about the history of of ginger snaps or the history of bacon or? Yes, please. Okay, go so for it. Ginger snaps. So we did gingerbread cookies with my mom's gingerbread men like r- basic perfect, recipe right perfect gingerbread cookie and we think that these came from europe okay right they the little gingerbread men marched over in a the fancy land bridge. uniform yes yeah. but ginger snaps are like your previous last week's cookie the blondie american oh, an american they're american and they creation. are associated with a holiday that we don't celebrate anymore called muster day Tell me. After the American Revolution, which we know that Martha Washington was making gingerbread and we know that there were German bakers in Philadelphia and wherever else making gingerbread, people realized after the American Revolution, the necessity, well, obviously they realized it before, but even after they wanted to preserve the militia, um, your local militia where you have your farmers and then there would be yeah just because we day. were now free right right we had to we, stay we should yeah fall asleep we had to drill every once wheel. in a while so muster day was like a celebration of you would go and go to the muster and 
you know, make sure that you could do your drill and your weapon was working. And, and a then muster you, was like a collection of people with their firearms. Yeah, you have uh, to. Who were going to practice fighting off a bad guy. Right. Well, we it. have okay. like, we still have today the fireman's muster where you where you get together and have competitions for threading the hoses and, oh. you know. Yeah. So it's like show up with your stuff, do a drill and then celebrate and relax with a ginger snap cookie. Okay. And according to the Museum of the American Revolution, the yeah. recipe that I, they... I, yeah, I've seen that You museum. know that place? Yeah, it's in the, Philadelphia. The name comes from a German or Middle Dutch word, snappen, meaning to seize quickly. To seize quickly? Yes. I'm going to snappen your cookie if you don't keep your paws. Drink plenty of rum and snap up the cookies yeah. and do fest- festivities and games. The recipe that that museum uh, puts forth involves rolling out a big thin sheet of dough mm-hmm. and cooking it like that oh. on the sheet. And, and then, then when it's up. warm, yeah, you stamp out shapes. Oh, that's um, one way to do it. What I did was roll them in balls and then roll the balls in sugar. It's perfect. And then bake them. And the resulting cookie, is it just looks like a ginger snap. It doesn't look like the thin, flat cookie in the picture on the New York Times yeah, cooking it looks like app. A, it looks, it like, looks a, like a ginger, snap. A ginger or a molasses cookie. I did taste the dough Yeah, and was not pleased. Oh. Now... But raw, raw bacon, bacon fat, fat doesn't what was taste I? Very okay, good. Yeah. so I have some reservations and I have some hopes and I'm ready. I think. Oh, I was going to tell you a little bit about bacon. Yeah, tell me. Some people believe that bacon came from the Roman Empire, but no, no. Of course, it came from China. Oh, before of that, yeah, yeah. People snap end it up because it is awesome, right? Bacon. Absolutely, keep your paws off my. My pork fat. Mm-hmm. The National Pork Board. Oh, the National Pork Board. We no. don't talk about that enough <laughs> on Cookie Lab. No. Chris, bacon's history dates back. This is according to Bacon Scouts, which is a website where you can order bacon. Oh, okay. Bacon's history dates back thousands of years to 1500 BC, in which the Chinese were curing pork bellies with salt, creating an early form of bacon. Okay. Okay. Well, you do get that little strip of pork with the red tip on it in your Chinese like food every once in every, yeah, every once in a while. Know. Yeah. Maybe I don't it know dates what that back is. to that. But Romans and Greeks uh took it on through their conquests and put things in it like dried figs and made it super Italian, right? Oh, sure, wrapped figs. It was only in the 17th century that bacon was used to refer exclusively to the salted and smoked belly that we know today okay. as bacon. Or if you're Canadian, back bacon Mm -hmm. which is the back of the pig yeah i mean there are different cuts you could like the bacon comes from a certain part but there you could make like bacon like loin bacon and cheek bacon but there is there is a a certain part that is supposed that the bacon is supposed to be from but was i another thing that i was curious about was the phrase bring home the bacon Jill, tell me, i can bring home the bacon up in the pan yeah I just thought it meant like bacon meant money. Yeah. These guys are trying to say that it can be traced to the 12th century in the English town of Dunmo, where the church promised to reward a side of bacon to any married man who swore before God and the congregation that he would not quarrel with his wife for a year and one day. Oh, not many of the men got the bacon, (laughs) I'm sure. That made me curious. So I tried to find out more and... 
Etymologists now take the view that the idiom is a 20th century invention. It appeared first in print in a 1906 telegram from the mother of a boxer called Joe Gans, G-A-N-S. She urged her son to win a fight and bring home the bacon. And sports writers just loved it and much like bacon, snapped it up and began to use it all over oh, the place. Oh, I like how you wrap that all up into <laughs> a like little a- prosciutto <laughs> and, and, and cantaloupe treat. <laughs> oh, wow. So let's see what this, what this bacon fat treat tastes I can't like. Wait. I re- I'm, I re- I'm re- this is the first time that I really don't know what's going to happen. Uh, my mouth is watering. Okay, let's taste it. it. It is, it is hard on the outside and soft on the inside. I feel like it could be a little harder. Mm-hmm. It's pretty soft. It's yeah, f- it's not a snappy. No. Oh my god. <laughs> Boom. Bacon. Oh. I'm not sure what I think yet. Let me eat some more. Okay. The noises that you're making suggest to me that you are enjoying the cookie. I love it. <laughs> I love it. But you gotta know that the bacon's in there ahead of time. Oh yeah, I mean, please. Please don't Don't do that to your, your, friends. your friends. Yeah, your vegetarian friends are... Oh no, wow. <laughs> But what a distinct flavor. And it is soft. The crunchiness that you may hear or that I taste is the sugar. Yeah, it's not crunchy enough. I don't know what I did wrong. It, and it doesn't it was, look anything like the thin, crispy no. circles on the picture. But it tastes delicious. It's nice and gingery. I don't like it. Oh, I don't God. like it. I'm so... I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of relieved because... <laughs> It made such a mess out of my home for a whole week. <laughs> Has anybody in your family tasted it? Yeah. So I had um, Oscar and his buddy Will were over after school. Guess what they did? They did a polar plunge. Oh, They went today. in the pond. Yep. Yeah. Well. <laughs> and then came into these cookies and they thought they were great. But teenage boys, you know. Yeah, their taste buds were probably a little Low bar. Uh, frozen from the polar plunge. <laughs> no, that would be great. Yeah, a nice bacon fat cookie. Put some fat back on you. I like it. It has the smoky taste of bacon. It's not overwhelming. I would love to taste these as a snap. Yeah, why Why isn't it a snap? I don't, I don't know. Did I do something wrong? Let me read the ingredients did you, again. Did you use brown sugar in it? No. No, I followed the recipe, which doesn't surprise me. I feel like there are some, some New York Times recipes are flawless and some are like, this didn't come out right mm. at all. Like my mom did something with one of their lemon, sh- like lemon shortbread that just turned into like just crumbs. I like it. I'm sorry. Well, keep your paws on my cookies because <laughs> I, I'm kind of shocked, but I don't think I like it. Well, do you remember last week when we talked about ginger? You mean Zynga bar? Yes. And the fact that there were more studies that needed to be made. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, I found some. Okay. Yeah. And one of the things that we had mentioned very in passing was that ginger had been used for nausea. Mm-hmm. And there was a study that is published in sciencedirect.com, which is a, a source that I use all the time. I've never heard of it. Oh, it's very good. It, it Sciencedirect.com. It's a clearinghouse for research. And okay, there was a study on seasickness or studies on seasickness, and it is the most common and well-established use of ginger throughout history is probably the utilization to alleviate symptoms of nausea. 
Which makes me think that your wild supposition that Christopher Columbus had some with him might be true. Uh, Why not? Yeah, if he was smart, he did. Several controlled studies have reported that ginger is generally effective. At seasickness. Yes. The effectiveness of ginger as an anti-nausea treatment has been attributed to its carminative effect. What's carminative mean? Well, it helps to break up and expel intestinal gas. Okay. So ginger ale, when you're not feeling well, can be super helpful. Previously, ginger sulfonic acid isolated from the ginger root showed on its own to be effective at doing that. Mm -hmm. So in the laboratory, they, yeah, they could isolate this acid and it would... Or you could just eat all these cookies. It would neutralize the intestinal gases. Uh And then in people, it also effectively in controlled studies controlled the nausea. Tell the NIH, tell the world. Right? That's more on the ginger front. And as we promised, there was more ginger science to be learned about. And I'm sure there might be even more if we continue with ginger palooza. I think it's going to continue. But like like you said, we were maybe going to take a break because you have something special cooked up for the week for uh, for New Year's Day. New Year's Day, yeah. According to (laughs) dogtownpizza.com... No better authority than dogtownpizza.com. When bacon is heated, sugars react with amino acids in the meat and combine with the bacon fat to give bacon its signature scent. Yeah, I mean, the scent is like half of it right Smoky, there. Smoky. So good. Meaty, salty, and rich. It's the smell you automatically imagine. When you hear the sound of bacon sizzling in the pan, you can... It's the smell that wakes me up in Maine in the morning, says, come downstairs, there's food here. And that's the smell that I had when I, after I bit into the cookie. Mm-hmm. You could smell that. Mm-hmm. And as you've said, according to the USDA, the term bacon is used to describe the cured belly of a hog carcass. If meat from other portions of the carcass is used, the product name must be identified. As where that came from. Pork yeah. shoulder bacon etc back bacon um, after curing with salt and nitrite the pork bellies are heat processed smoked and bacon can be manufactured without the use of nitrite but must be labeled uncured bacon no nitrites or nitrates added and bear the statement that this is not preserved you have to keep it refrigerated below 40 degrees fahrenheit and like use times. it up quick Yeah, so it's the nitrites that are injected into the meat that preserves it, not the smoking anymore. Okay. I was under the impression that the smoking was what preserved the bacon. Okay. But it's that injection of chemicals. So does curing refer to the smoking? No. Does it refer to the nitrates? Yeah. Okay. Nitrates and nitrites are two different types of compounds. Nitrates... Consist of one nitrogen atom and three oxygen atoms. Nitrites consist of one nitrogen atom and two oxygen atoms. Nitrates are relatively inert, which means they're stable and unlikely to change and cause harm. Is it the nitrites we have to look out for? Nitrites. With just the two oxygens. Yeah. Well, first of all, nitrates and nitrites 
are essential compounds, but they can become hazardous if they form nitrous amines. Nitrous amines is what you want to avoid. They form if you cook nitrates or nitrites. Well, you're going to cook them, people. Don't eat your bacon raw. Right. According to the FDA and ScienceDirect.com. I'm nodding vigorously. Nitrosamines are considered to be strong carcinogens. Oh, gosh. Bacon, hot dogs, processed meats. So maybe meats. you want to buy the, the nitrate, nitrite-free bacon just, just in case. Well. And just cook it up and enjoy it and keep it cold before you cook it. Those processed meats have high levels of nitrites, and so when you cook them, they can cause that cancer-causing... We don't want that. They're also high in protein, which is made up of amino acids, as we know. Uh, on exposure to high heat, this combination creates the perfect f- conditions for nitrous amines to form. So, is bacon dangerous? Here's the fact. The EPA, Office of pesticide programs you know how deep i had to go to find i was just gonna say i'm fascinated considers a three by ten to the negative six potential to be an average population cancer risk so a tiny 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 number okay it's a tiny number right it's Um, is it a negative number well it makes it like one in, or is it like a lot of decimal points? One in, th- let's just put it in, in like how many people in thousands can yeah, get yeah. it. So it's like one in 300,000 people. We'll get cancer from bacon. For We'll get can So they consider that a reasonable risk. Okay, okay. So one in 300,000. And so, and what does the risk that bacon pose? So eating the an average amount of bacon per right. year. Which is, over your li- lifetime, actually. Okay. Eating an average amount of bacon over your lifetime. Okay. I probably have eaten an average amount of bacon over my lifetime. Exposes you to a total excess lifetime cancer risk of 1.4 times 10 to the negative 6. So it's like half what they're worried about? Like, uh, it's, yeah, like, it's, ha- like, it's like below their threshold. Yeah. It's below like the acceptable risk. in 683. I think 000. we can cross that worry off. Right, so you hear carcinogen, yeah, and your mind goes to ah oh, terrible things. Hospital tubes, machines, right? From a slice of bacon, <laughs> probably not. Okay, good. Phew. Okay. At the if, same time, I still think I need a break from the bacon. Yeah, <laughs> you deserve a break. So cook yeah. me up something sweet for next time. Okay, I've got just the thing for you. Okay, a colorful holiday, New Year's kaleidoscope of color bring it on all right see you no then. bacon involved okay all right <laughs> see you next week bye it's cookie lab Bye.